Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Amen. We're, we're talking about living by faith. I'm going to share a little bit along that line before we even enter some more into prayer. But um, living by faith, the just shall live by faith. And we can never, ever overemphasize the importance of our faith in God and how it works and so I want us to look at 2nd Thessalonians chapter 1 verses 11 and 12 let's read those verses and then we'll pray wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness now notice this expression and the work of faith with power notice it's not the work of faith alone it's not the work of power alone but it's the work of faith with power that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him. So Paul here reveals to us that the work of God is a work of faith with power. These two powerful forces working together to really cause amazing things to manifest and to happen. You can have faith present but yet nothing happened. You can have power present yet nothing happened. But when you put the two together and they connect together, you've got amazing things that take place. Now, if these two things are important, how is it that we can be full of both faith and power? You're full of faith by studying the word constantly because faith comes what? By hearing and hearing by the word of God. You can be full of power by being filled with the Holy Ghost and continuing to speak to yourself in Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, as Ephesians 5 says. But in Acts 1.8, you shall receive power when? After that, the Holy Ghost has come on you. So when we're endued with power from on high, it's the same word, dunamis, miracle working power as Jesus received, then we've got that same miraculous power operative on the inside of us. So the work of faith, the word and power, the spirit working together, amazing things. For example, if you recall the story of Joshua when he spoke to the sun and moon and they obeyed him. Look at Joshua chapter 10. Let's read these verses. If you never saw these. Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Sun, stand thou still in Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is not this written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and hasted not to go down about a whole day and there was no day like that before it or after it that the Lord hearkened to the voice of a man for the Lord fought for Israel. So Israel overcame the Amorites. Why? Because the sun didn't go down. The moon, in other words, the whole universe stopped. Think about that. What happened? He consulted the Lord. What do we need to do in this situation? And obviously, biblical faith, how does it come? You hear from God. You hear what God has to say. And when God says to do something, you do it. And when you do it in faith, believing, you activate his power. And imagine that, that kind of power. Would you call that an amazing thing? I would. How does that work for us today? How is that important to, for us today? Again, I just refer to the birthing room. When the Lord spoke to my heart and said, fear not, only believe. 
And all, my anthem was, we believe. No matter what any doctor said about Andrew's life, what he could or could not do, we believe was the response. There is power in the spoken word of God. Whether it comes through the written word or God speaks to you by his spirit, there is power in the word of God. And when you de- continue to declare it in face of all the opposition, you're activating the power of God that creates miracles, that does miracles. And we thank God for Andrew's life as a result. Look also, uh, Joshua chapter 14. This is Caleb. Caleb at 85 years of age was still spry enough to go to war and to go to battle and do what? Claim his mountain. Think about that. He claimed his mountain and he had to defeat a host of giants that were in the land. And now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive as he said. Notice as he said. Our faith is always based on what he said. Find out what God said. Get it in your heart. Embrace it. Declare it. Decree it. And what happened? These 40 and 5 years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day four score and five years old, 85 years old, as yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me, as my strength was then, even so my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. He's 85 years old, and he's going to battle. He's going to war. Now therefore, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. And of course, he got his mountain. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, and the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord. Notice he reiterates it, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave him, gave him to Caleb, the son of Jephana, Hebron, for an inheritance. He got his land. How did he do it? By faith. Now I don't know about you. My dad and mom are both 85 years old. I don't see them going off in the battle. Last time I was there on Monday, they weren't ready for war. I know that for a fact. Mm -hmm. It was all I could do to get them from place to place. And so therefore, 85 years old, as my strength was when I was 40, he said, so is my strength right now. I'm ready for a battle. I said it then. I'm saying it now. I believe God. Is that an amazing thing? He conquered his giants. Praise God, and so can we. And then you've got also David. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, you've got David standing before Goliath. And you've got David releasing his faith in the ability of God. Notice how he does it. After Goliath rambled on about what he was going to do to David, then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied, This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand. That is the release of his faith. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. And I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. And I will give the carcasses of the hosts of the Philistines this day to the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth. That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. That's his faith speaking. It tapped into the power of God. And what happened? You know, you know the rest of the story. He killed him with words. Not with a sling. But with words. Because those words activated the power of God. And when that power was activated, praise God. I'm telling you. The enemy was defeated. And then you've got these three Hebrew boys. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I can preach this subject all day, all night, until we go home and be with Jesus. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego under a lot of peer pressure. They are told that if they don't bow, if they don't bend their knee, they're going to burn in a fiery furnace. And King Nebuchadnezzar with all of his arrogance, pride, and whoever knows what else, he says, if you don't, you're going into that furnace and that's all there is to it. Could create some fear in someone. And what do they say? Let's read it. Daniel chapter 3. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so that you throw us into the furnace, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fire furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. Is that confidence? Is that boldness? Is that a release of faith to the power, uh, awesome power of God? Can God save from a burning fire furnace? Can God save human flesh inside a burning fire furnace? Read the rest of the story. You find out that they came out. You find out that there was the fourth man in the furnace and it was the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Praise God. He looked like the son of God. Nebuchadnezzar said. And so therefore, their words of faith released the power of God. And tapping into that power, praise God, they had amazing things happen in their lives. We're getting to a point. We want amazing things happen in our lives. We've got to start believing from our heart that what we say with our mouth is going to come to pass. And I'm not talking about saying things you want. I'm talking about saying things God promised and saying things God said. I'm not talking about going off in these tangents like people have done with this message of faith and just running crazy with it. I'm talking about saying what God said, echoing his words, giving his words back to him, knowing they will not return to him void. They will accomplish what he pleases in the earth and prosper in the thing whereto he sent it. Amen. So instead of walking around with our heads hung low and just saying, I just can barely get along. I'm not going to make it through life. I can't find a job. I can't do this. I can't do that. I'm never going to get well. God doesn't want to hear that. He wants to hear that no matter how big my giant may look, my God is bigger. No matter how wide the mountain is, my God is bigger. No matter how deep the problem might be rooted in, whatever, as far as I'm concerned, my God and his love runs deeper. I believe in my God. No matter what this economy looks like, my God supplies all my need. Amen. No matter what all the predictors say, my God is more than enough. Hallelujah. Faith in God. Jesus was a master at putting these two together. A master at it. Look in Luke's gospel chapter 5 and verses 17 through 23 I believe it is. You'll notice that Jesus was masterful. John, uh, Luke's gospel chapter 5 verse 17. Okay. It came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Was the power there? Was it present? Sure was. And behold, men brought into bed a man written, or, he, which was taken with a palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in, because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down to the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, was there faith there? There's faith there. He said to him, man, thy sins are forgiven thee. Then of course the scribes and the Pharisees, when they heard that, they began to reason, saying, who is this which speaketh blasphemies, who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said to them, what reason you in your hearts? Whether it's easier to say, to thy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say unto the, 
uh, rise up and walk, but the, that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise, take up thy couch, and go into thine house. And immediately he arose up before them, and took up that whereon he lay, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. Now that's the story. But now number one, was power present? Verse 17 said what? The power of the Lord was present to heal them, the latter part of the verse. Was faith present? Yes. Look at the verse. Verse 20, I believe it is. And when he saw their what? Okay. When the power was present, was he healed? No. When faith was present, was he healed? No. Why not? There was a hindrance there. There was a hindrance. Jesus was masterful. What does he do? He targets the hindrance. He exposes it. And what was it? Sin. Thy sins be forgiven thee. And the moment he said thy sins be forgiven thee, of course all the religious people got upset about that, but he targeted the, the problem. What was stopping the two from connecting? Sin was stopping the two from coming together and connecting so that an amazing miracle took take place in this individual's life. So as a result, he still wasn't healed. But then finally Jesus says to the man, your sins are forgiven you, so rise, take up your bed and walk. And when he had the realization or the revelation, of course, that he was free from sin, the healing power was activated by his faith and the miracle took place. So it takes faith and power to accomplish the purposes of God. And the beauty of it is this, you and I have access to both. We both have faith because we all have been dealt the measure of faith, Romans 12, 3. And we all have power because Acts 1, 8 says we received power when the Holy Ghost came on us. And Ephesians 3, 20, God's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that's where efficiently operative on the inside of us. So we all have access to both faith and power. And it's up to us to do what? Maybe identify the hindrances, deal with the hindrances, get them out. It could be doubt. It could be unbelief. It could be like the Israelites of old that said, we can't do it. We can't do it. And that's probably the biggest hindrance. It was doubt and unbelief that kept them out of the promised land. And that's why they couldn't officially get in. And the gospel preached to us will not profit us if we don't mix faith with it. And so God wants us to rise up and exercise our faith to tap into his power to give him the opportunity to do the great things he wants to do for us in our individual lives, in our families, in our church body, in our nation. Okay, next section. Faith in God is faith in his, number one, person. His person. This is his character. This is who he is. In 1 Peter 5, verse 7, amplified, classic version. Casting the whole of your care all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him, for he cares for you how? Affectionately and about you how? Watchfully. First Peter 5, 7, amplified classic version. What is that telling us? God is, as any loving father, so concerned about every aspect of our lives and he's made provision for all of us and it is his longing desire to use his power to meet our every need he's consciously aware of what we're going through what we're experiencing in life but you know because we live in this natural world all that is veiled to us 
We can't really see it, but we've got to believe the scriptures. And the scripture says he cares about us affectionately and watchfully. He loves us with a proven love, an endless love, an undying love, an unconditional love. So much so that he gave his son to prove it. And so faith in God is faith in his character, his person. Number two, it's faith in his promises. It's faith in his promises. He has made specific promises in the book of Hebrews chapter 10. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering. Why? For he is faithful that promised. He is faithful that promised. Faith trusts in and relies upon the person of God, his character, his love for us, his concern for us. But faith also relies upon his integrity, his faithfulness to perform a promise that he promised us that he would perform. And he's not a man to lie. If he said it, he'll do it. And so as we exercise faith in his person and we recognize just how good he is and how much he loves us, we recognize that he is a faithful God to his promise and he cannot, cannot change his word. Once he promised, he swore by an oath, he can't change that. And then it's faith in his power. He has the power. Look in Jeremiah 32 verse 17. He's got the power. It's one thing to promise. Anyone can make a promise. Ask a politician. Right? But do they have the power to back up the promise? Do they have the goods to make the promise good? Do they? That's the question. The integrity to do it. The character to do it. They put themselves out there on a limb all the time. But our God, he puts himself out where he knows he can fulfill every promise he ever made. Our Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm. And there is nothing, there is nothing too hard for thee. Oh, when the world says it's too hard, when the professionals say it's too hard, that it can't be done. Don't look to man. Look to Almighty God who says, my power is more than enough. I'm all sufficient, the all sufficient one. Our faith is in the person of God. It's the promise of God and now the power of God. He will back up his word. He is capable of making it good. Just like David said, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, we're not careful to answer you. Put us in the furnace and our God says, when you pass through the fire, I will be with you. Did he not say that? Did he prove that to be true? They called him on it, didn't they? And God wants us to respond the same way to the difficulties we encounter in life, to the situations we encounter in life, including what we're encountering in this nation right now. But then also, finally, faith is in his purposes as well. Look at the book of Isaiah, chapter 46. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. In other words, I'm the orchestrator of all things. I'm the master designer of all things, and everything I set in motion, I set in motion because my purpose and my will will be accomplished and will be done. Did he get them into the promised land? He did, didn't he? But not under Moses. So they failed under Moses. Was God the failure? Absolutely not. Who was the failure? 
Man was the failure. They refused to respond to God. You ready for this? When Jesus was on earth, there were a lot of things he wanted to do, but he said, I can't. Right? He said, I'd love to take you under my wings, but you won't let me. Didn't he say that? Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. He cried over Jerusalem, but you won't let me. I wonder how Jesus prayed for his nation when he was on earth. Did you ever think that through? I wonder how Jesus would pray for America if he was on earth right now. I wonder what way he would pray. Something to think about, isn't it? Wow. Oh, beloved, our God is more than enough, and his purposes will be fulfilled. It may take a a different generation to do it, but I'm telling you, God's will will be done. And what is his purpose in all of our lives? That we all conform to the very image of his son, Jesus Christ. We've been called according to his purpose, which is that we are transformed, conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And you know what? We can use our faith to say that. I believe you're changing me from glory to glory. I believe I'm looking more like Jesus, talking more like Jesus every single day of my life. I thank you for your Holy Spirit's working in my life and just doing his work to change me from glory to glory. Amen. Now, faith even makes prayer work. Whether we're praying for our nation or praying for our family, look in James chapter 1, verse 5, it takes faith. We can say, I prayed, I prayed, I prayed, I prayed, I prayed, but if we're not praying in faith, then our prayers may not work okay look at this if any of you lack wisdom what do you mean if (laughs) goodness let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and abradeth not means he finds no fault with the asking we're asking you for for wisdom to deal wisely and correctly in the things of life liberally he says he'll give to all of us but now notice this and it shall be given him but let him ask full of doubt and unbelief. Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Why? Because he that wavers, he's like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think, he shall receive what? Anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. So what was the instruction? If you ask God for wisdom or anything, you have to ask in faith. And you can't waver, because if you waver, you're tossing to and fro, you're double-minded, and you're not going to receive. Not that God didn't give, but you're not going to receive anything from the Lord. So it's faith that is required to receive from God the things that we desire. And we can't give up. We can't give up the walk of faith, like Peter on the water. And he, be, he began in faith, but then he began to sink because he got his eyes off the word, got his eyes on the circumstances and the situation, all the symptoms and all that, that, was out, that were out there. Okay. Now, all that being said, we find ourselves in this nation in a situation where it's up to believers to pray on the behalf of a nation that has really moved away from God. Does anybody here agree to that? We've moved away from God. And you think about everything that's taking place in our nation. You think about the direction that it's going in. When you think about how the government overrides God's laws on marriage. and I mean the list goes on and on. And you just think about all this happening here today. And here we are as believers living in this nation. Where at one time we never had to be concerned about persecution like other countries have. But all of a sudden it's kind of come our way hasn't it? Look, 
The Bible says that um, judgment will begin in the house of God. It starts right here with us. God wants us to exercise our faith in what he said and pray for this nation. Not for these people that are out there, these politicians. Pray for this nation the way we should pray biblically and soundly so that God's hand will move in this nation once again. So that God can have his way. His purposes can and will be fulfilled. I believe that God raised up a nation for his own purpose and will in these United States of America. And he brought people together that had a heart, hunger, and thirst for him to be Lord over the land. He's used this nation in powerful, powerful ways and being a shining, a beacon light to a world. Because he's given us so much uh, prosperity, we have evangelized, I'm told, I believe it's true, at least 75 to 80% of all world evangelism comes out of the United States of America. Can you imagine that? We have been faithful as a people for so many, many years. But suddenly we see a twist, we see a turn, and we see God not even, people not even wanting God in, in our government or in our consciousness. And where there are the laws of God ever revealed, people pull away, and now you're some kind of fanatic as a result if you believe the Holy Scriptures. How would Jesus pray? Let's look at Psalm, in the book of Psalms 33, beginning at verse 12. Let's just start with the top here. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. You know what? It's time that we as believers start saying, Jesus, I call you Lord over the United States of America. I call you Lord over our government. I call you Lord over our political leaders. I call you Lord of all. From the president right on down all the way through. I'm calling you Lord. The people he chose for his inheritance. Are we a nation? Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Can we make him Lord? We sure can. Others may not want to but we do. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all who considers everything they do. He sees it all. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance despite all its great strength it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him. On those who hope is in his unfailing love to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. Are we looking to the government or are we looking to the Lord? We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield in him. Our hearts rejoice for we trust his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Hallelujah. 
What's he saying? Here's how you pray for America. Our hope is in you, Lord. Our eyes are upon you. We call you Lord over these United States of America and no weapon formed against us will prosper. We're not looking to politicians, political leaders, or military forces. We are looking to you, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the Lord of glory. We're looking to you, praise God, to move upon the hearts and minds of all the people of this nation, to bring upon the church a spirit of repentance, praise God, that people repent repent for all that we've done to to say displease you in any way we're once again rising up like our founding fathers and we are declaring that you are lord of all and we will not we will not entertain all the evils that has come our way as far as we're concerned look at 58 million infants have been aborted is that does that bother anybody I mean, seriously, does that bother us? For, for some reason, it seems like many believers, so what? I, I'm telling you. You know what? I, I want to pass out when I hear that. Are you kidding me? Does, does anyone know what partial birth abortion is? For you that don't, you pull the baby out and only leave the head in you, by the feet. And the baby's head stays in the womb. And as long as that head's in a womb, it's not a human being. And then you get this apparatus device and suck out his brain. Pull it out. And then, the, of course, the head collapses. And now you've got a partial birth abortion. You know what they call it? Contraception. How about that? It's a form of con- Contraception. Someone gets killed in a, in a fight. Everybody's up in arms. 58 million babies have been aborted since Roe v. Wade. And Christians are saying, what, what, what can we do about it? You can vote. I heard it with my own two ears. One party wants to get rid of the Hyde Amendment that, will, that stops it. It stopped. Aren't you glad it was stopped? That you cannot perform a partial birth abortion right now. And we're talking about nine months. We're not talking about midterm. We're talking about to the moment the child is about to be born. Does anybody have any regard for that? I told one believer. When I talked about one time. Do you realize that if, if under these circumstances that child should have been aborted. Because they said yes you should abort the child because they can't afford it. That would have been Beethoven. Think about this one over here. That would have been John Wesley, the preacher. Know what the response was? There'd be another Beethoven. There'd be another John Wesley. I'm like, what? That's what you think? Does your life matter? Does every life matter? Absolutely. Who defends, who protects the life of the unborn? If believers don't. And trust me, this is number one on God's agenda. It's the top of the list. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment 
where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of his love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound, and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence, to God first, and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you, and God loves you, and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.